Welcome to Studio B Live. to Studio B Live and that was a special special recording by Cindy Creswell and Paul Doolittle who upon our suggestion and uh, plea one time on one of our podcasts we said hey if anybody can come up with a song about honeybees uh, put one together and uh, we'll use a kind of a theme song and uh, they went to work and came up with the honeybee jive that was a lot of fun Sherry Cindy put a lot of work into it. I know that she did. And this is, um, boy, that must have been in the spring that we asked for that. Late winter or the spring. And uh, she worked on that. And she set up studio time to do all that. And it's a real catchy tune. We put it in the truck and we listen to it. Every time, almost every time we're in the truck, we'll we'll turn that on. And even even the little one likes to sing along with it. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he always wants to hear it again, doesn't he? It's kind of a catchy tune. It uh, it'll be fun. What we had we had a lot of fun listening to that, and glad you got to hear it. So, uh, and um, so thank you, Cindy and Paul. You guys did a great job, and uh, we like it. And it's been a long time. You were talking about it was back in the spring or, or back in the winter when we last. Uh, uh, well, we got that CD, and I don't think we've done a podcast since then that I can remember. And 
But we we did one actually, Sherry, and you know that we actually did one, and we were going to play uh, Cindy's song in it too. But I, while I loved her song, I wasn't happy with our podcast. Uh, after I listened to it and started putting it online, it just didn't have uh, what I was looking for. So I said, "Nah, let's do another one." So we never got back around to it. But now here we are back to do another one. Sherry, somehow in the whole month of June, we neglected to do a podcast, and boy, we're just barely squeaking in in the month of July on day 28 down here, and uh, June's been a busy month for us. Yeah, we, um, well, we had a lot of equipment orders, I think, in June, and, uh, but then that's the time when we switched to Queen Production. And that can take a lot of work, doing queen production. And then we had, in June, we had a lot of classes, didn't we? We had a lot of classes in July, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, I had, I wrote down several things that we did in June, and uh, I'll just go through the list. We slaughtered 50 chickens, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were just talking about honeybees. Oh well, yeah, but things that things that are have been busy for us in the month of June, you know, slaughter isn't a good word, is it? Uh, you know, it, it sounds so uh, violent. Yeah, yeah, we um, that was a whole big learning curve, learning to, you know, kill the chickens and. Well, I want to have fun with the word slaughter first. Oh. It's a sad word. I mean, it's a violent word for a chicken. Maybe we could think of a better word. <laughs> How about dress? You dress a chicken. Yeah, but you got to do something first to it before you dress it. <laughs> yeah, you got to undress it, don't you? <laughs> undress it of all its feathers. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought of, uh, you thought of one that was uh, called kill and dress. Yeah. <laughs> kill and dress. And when when you said that, I thought you said killer dress, and I was thinking of you wearing a killer dress. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You could use, you could say, processed chickens. Ooh, that sounds homogenized or something. <laughs> okay. You know, processed food and processed chickens. Yeah, that's true. I thought of the word. I thought of this one. This is good. Transitioned. <laughs> <laughs> they transitioned from the pen to the freezer. <laughs> Transition. Transition. Okay, go ahead. You, go ahead. You you were saying that was a big learning curve. Oh yeah, I was just saying it was a big learning curve to to learn to kill chickens and and uh, deal with all that. And I never could bring myself. I don't know if you noticed, but I never could bring myself to come back to the we call it the killing tree and help you kill a chicken. Did you notice that? Uh, you, you videotaped one of them, though. Yeah, I videotaped it, but I never could bring myself to actually doing that. So I sat on the other side of the um, property with my dad, and we uh, gutted. And yeah, you, yeah, you ripped the guts out of the thing. All I'm doing is bleeding it out and skinning it. And you're you don't have any problem ripping the guts out. <laughs> That's worse <laughs> than killing it. No, 
no. I, I figure once it's dead, then it's it's free. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, it's free game. I can do whatever I want. But yeah. it's, but it was just the, you know, because I'm the one that spent all that time feeding them and taking care of them and cleaning up after them. And then, so. Well, you know, I, I had to tell you what went on at the tree back there. They, uh, we didn't really have to kill any of them. They, um, they knew that they needed to make a sacrifice for you, so they all fell on the sword. <laughs> <laughs> we did actually try to kill them several different ways. Your dad did. I didn't. <laughs> he tried to kill them different ways. Yeah. I think maybe I did one of them that way. He had a machete at one point. And, oh, we tried all sorts of different. I think we were just trying to figure out how to how to take the sting out of it for us <laughs> more than <laughs> more than the pain of, for the chickens but. well yeah and then uh but you know oh it was actually at one of our uh i think it was a queen class i'm sure it was now and uh the gentleman that was here oh yeah yeah it was at one of our b classes a- adrian was his name he was from indiana and he was taking a queen rearing class. Was that month? Uh, I don't know what month it was. Now I've forgotten. Maybe it was May or June. Oh, it doesn't matter. But uh, and so he was leaving, and we got to talking about chickens. And I guess he grew up with chickens, and he lives near Amish people. And they, he was noticing how fast they could process their chickens. And so he went over there and asked some young Amish girls if. They would teach him how to do this, and they taught him how to skin the chickens instead of, you know, going through the process where you boil them and pluck the feathers. So he said, if you got a minute, I'll show you. So he went to his car, and he changed his shirt, and, and uh, oh, he left his hat here. I never saw his hat again. I mailed it back to him, but oh, he, good. he went and changed his shirt and came out with a knife. And <laughs> yeah. That was scary. He was ready, but anyway, he, he taught us how you skin chickens and it was really nice he was a sharp cookie on that wasn't he he was great and um yeah yeah he was a good teacher and uh he was and we learned very easily after he showed us how to do that yeah so we, we had a we had a fun time and it went really well we we uh, loaded up the uh freezer with 50 chickens and then we i liked it so much we we ordered another 25 i got 25 and out, i'm out there now raising it only takes about eight weeks on it for him to mm-hmm. get to the transition time <laughs> okay and then in the month of june we also um what else did we, do? we did do a lot of classes we did an advanced class or was that in i've forgotten the months maybe june and july but you know we've done advanced beekeeping basic beekeeping and we've done queen rearing those are our three major classes that we do last weekend was advanced beekeeping and I love that one. You know, you've always said that it's hard for me to teach a basic class because I want to go into more detail. And this was my opportunity to go into more detail. And, boy, the class was great. They soaked it up. And yeah. it, it was good. You always want to give way too much information to beginners. Mm-hmm. So this time you could just say whatever you wanted and just keep on talking. <laughs> well, and I always love going out into the field. But last Saturday, Sherry, it must have been a hundred and five degrees heat index out there. We were we only worked the highs maybe half an hour, forty five minutes, but we were soaked in sweat. It was so hot, and uh, I don't know what this Saturday. This Saturday we have a queen wearing class coming up. Um, yeah. That's going to be uh, 
people are going to be listening to the podcast in some other year or month, but mm-hmm. that's, that's going to be July the what, 30th, yeah, 31st, <laughs> whatever Saturday is, a couple of days from now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the things that's exciting, kind of, well, it's kind of. What you, we did in June. Yeah, I'm still going through June now. Oh, okay. Yeah. One of the things that we did in June. Oh, no, this is July. Can we can we say June and July since? Sure. Okay. Sure. <laughs> but our, our, one of our sons, so to say our middle son, but he's, is he the middle son? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he got his license today. That's right. Five down and one to go. And I can say that I did not help train them to drive in any way. <laughs> so if you meet any of them on the street, know that I had nothing to do with it. I refused to sit in the driver's seat while any of those children were learning to drive, and I refused to go to the driver's license place when they got their driver's license. But I also refused to go to the doctors when they get their shots, too. Hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't, I like teaching them to drive, you know, I enjoy that because I'm, I'm a teacher, so, but I've noticed with when you're teaching children, and I'm a very kind and loving father, but they're kind of stressed out about it, you know, and they can so easily think that you're mad at them, you know, oh, oh, don't turn there, you know, you're turning too sharp, don't yell at me, dad, well, you know, if I was, it's just because I'm the dad. I'm not yelling. I'm just telling. I'm instructing you. You know, that's why I'm sitting in the other side. But I even taught a lot of our kids, most of them, how to drive a stick shift as well. You know, that's a little tougher when you're driving up hills and all and you're clutching and shifting. You taught me to drive. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that? That That's how far back David and I go. He taught me to drive. My dad... Re- you, you make me sound like an old man. I taught you to drive. It makes me sound like I'm like... I met you when you were 14 and I was like 40 or something. Well, your comment was you taught all the children to drive. And I'm saying you even taught me to drive. <laughs> Can we define it so I sound young? Okay. Well, he's only two years older than me, so he had his driver's license. <laughs> there you go. Two years before I did. And my dad refused to teach me to drive. Why? Because I think it's because I was a girl. My dad has always thought that women were dumb. I guess. <laughs> he wouldn't let me play baseball and he wouldn't teach me to drive so i guess i don't know what that means so so david and i used to sneak around at night (laughs) and he would teach me to drive he taught me to drive in a what do we say it was in 1962 which is the year i was born 1962 ford falcon that you found in an old cornfield somebody i guess had just driven it there and left it to die and you actually and you actually bought it for like wow like a whopping 25 dollars or something like that 19 that would have been 1976 or 77 Uh, yeah 78 maybe and but but i guess if it was a 1962 and you bought it in 70 (laughs) In <laughs> 77, that wouldn't have made it too old. Yeah, it's newer than the cars we drive now. <laughs> yeah, we've had a truck we've driven older than that, but back then it seemed ancient, and it was a, you yeah, know, it had yeah. a stick shift. Maybe it was older than 62, you think no, it was? No, it was 62, but it's, it's different now. Cars last longer. They, I mean, like back then, that car, you couldn't run it 30,000 miles without having to totally retune it. 
tune up. Oh yeah. Now, I mean, you couldn't run plugs 30,000 miles back then. Now you can run a plug 120,000 miles. So it's a whole different car. The cars are made to last longer now. I didn't realize that. I thought it was the other way around. Oh, not at all. No. But yeah, that that was uh, three. It was a stick shift on the column, three speed on the column, and I was taught Sherry how to. And it was a little tougher when you're. I don't know, I like floor shifting better than the column. Probably some people listening don't even know what we're talking about. But, you know, where most cars, well, cars still have the gear shifter, some of them, on the column today. But this was a standard, you know, first, second, third speed on the column in reverse. So it was a little trickier. And the clutch, for those of you that are mechanically minded, the first you know, first gear was ratioed out that you'd have to ride that clutch a long time. You know, first gear was a long gear. You know, now they make cars where first gear just get you rolling and you can shift to second. It was a tough car to learn on is what I mean. But Sherry did good. No, I didn't do good. I really didn't. You know, today, earlier this afternoon, after I stopped answering the phones because we closed, <laughs> I, went, I saw an Andy Griffith show on TV and... And Goober was teaching Aunt B how to drive a stick shift. Mm. And you know how they put a woman behind the wheel of a stick shift and she goes, er, conk, er, conk, er. Yeah. <laughs> That was exactly me. All the way through town, I would just kill it at every stop sign and I couldn't get the shift, the gears to go through. But, but anyway, the point of the story was is that Seth got his license and and you taught me many 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 huh. many many years ago how to drive. Yeah, it was shift. it was good. You know, we had a little trouble getting his license because every time we went up there, we were one something short. You know, like <laughs> yeah, it's like you know you got to have your birth for the first time. You know, got to have your birth certificate. All I mean, all these documentations and well, Seth said he had his birth certificate and we took him that he did, but. He had a photocopy, and they didn't take it because he didn't have the raised seal on it. We had to come home, get the raised seal. And then when we got, when we came back to get the birth certificate, he he left his dri- his what do you call a driving permit at home. But fortunately, through my sweet charm and um, personality, I was able to. <laughs> David's, David's charming the gals at the DMV. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Anyway, uh, back <laughs> they're hard to be charmed sometimes. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but you gotta have everything just right, don't you? Okay. Um, also, in June, what I did was I made up more and more and more mating nooks after mating nooks after mating nooks after mating nooks. I took all kind of I split hives. I took hives and I made more and more mating nooks. <laughs> Have I, oh my goodness, Sherry, I made mating nukes after mating nukes. It was a lot of work. I even took a lot of where your dad, you know. He lives about 40 miles away, and I could take a big hive here, take frames out, put them in a mating nook, take them over there, so that we could get um, those hives over there would lose their memory about where to, They, you know, if I do it here, sometimes they fly back. But actually this year, I, I, I didn't have any trouble with that. I, I've kind of... Stop taking them over to your dad's, and I'll just take a couple of frames out and move them over here, and uh, and they they all stay put. It's not too bad. So that's that has been a big project. I, I bet a lot of our listeners are probably interested in, you know, what is a mating nook? I mean, what you know, what is a process of making a mating nook? But it's nothing more than taking frames out of a big hive with bees on it and putting a queen cell in it. It's just a place where the queen flies out of the hive and mates. And flies back in and lays and establishes a colony. And as soon as she's laying good, we sell her. 
And um, I think some people think, you know, people just don't know, but some people think the queen mates inside those boxes. But the queen always mates in the air, high in the air. Hmm. You know how high it is, how high the queen flies to mate, Sherry? A mile? No, I mean, I said how high, not far away. That'd be pretty no, high. I was just thinking of that. <laughs> just a joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some folks might catch that. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, boy, I don't think I did. <laughs> Never mind, then. Never mind. We'll keep you innocent. All right. Um, what else do we do in June? Oh, okay. You don't want to talk about the queens anymore? <laughs> okay, you, well, later. You just huh? need to fi- yeah, you just okay. need to finish that, and then you, can, yeah. then you can give away the secrets of the queen wearing class. <laughs> yeah, really. They don't have to come, Saturday. Yeah, they don't have to come. See, Seth's got his license. Uh, we talked about classes. Oh, I went to uh, yeah. Heartland Associate, no, Heartland Apicultural Society yeah. meeting in Cookville, Tennessee. Yeah. Everybody out there in Cookville, let's hear it. Ooh, nobody from Cookville. Oh, we just can't hear them. But, yeah, they're going, yay, like they used to do on Johnny Carson. You know, they'd say, I'm from New York. And the crowd would say, yay, the New Yorkers, you know, so... This is when all the Cookville, Tennessee people. <laughs> hey, let's just narrow it down. Anybody from Tennessee, let's give a shout out, you know. But it was fun. That was I'm back in my home state of Tennessee, the volunteer state. It it volunteered to be a state. <laughs> <laughs> it's known for its volunteer in uh, times of need. Like war. Which one? Civil. It volunteered to be in the Civil War. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I moved out of Tennessee when I was 13. Maybe that was in the next class. Maybe they all volunteered to give blood. I think it was like, uh, hmm, I wouldn't have been the Civil War. It must have been that other war, <laughs> the one before, <laughs> when the British came over, huh? Mm, that Revolutionary War one? Yeah. yeah. I bet that's when I was, well, I don't know. You caught me off guard. That's why you don't teach history to the children when it's time for homeschool. Oh, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> why is Tennessee the volunteer state? Why All of you Tennesseans, let us know. Let us know and tell us what you volunteer to do in Tennessee. <laughs> That'd be good. But what did you learn at the HAS, the Heartland Apicultural? What? What is it? Apa, the Heartland, the Heartland Apicultural Society. What did you learn at their annual conference? Oh, this was the ninth annual conference. Um, wow, I learned a lot of things. I, it was They had big hitters, speakers, you know. Let me just give you some ideas. Like uh, I attended Dr. Fred Hembree, H-E-M-B-R-E-E. I never know how to pronounce names. But he he talked about honeybee biology for beginning beekeeper. Oh, I remember him. Yeah, he was a pastor, too. And uh, he he thought it was weird that I was in there. You know, he's like, mm, you're keeping bees. This is for beginners. I'm like, yeah, but I'm taking a master beekeeper test in August, and I need some refresher. <laughs> uh, but we had a lot of fun. They had Nozema lab sessions where they taught you how to do uh, Nozema testing through microscopes and all. And building a strong colony for honey production. And um, advanced reproductive biology by Dr. Clarence Collison. And um, ah, the list goes on. Um, beekeeping. Um, let's see, what was it? Oh, beekeeping alongside Africanized bee. That was Stephanie Tartwater. That was really good. Learned a lot about the Africanized honeybee that I didn't know before. And um, had a session on American and European fowl brood, how to ID it 
and how to control it. And there was a neat session by Dr. Randolph Richards about honey plants. You would have liked this. He went through the whole, he went through all the flowers, trees, and told you which ones honeybees like. And and um, I I just had a ball there, Sherry. Hey, and I actually actually people came up to me and said, I know you. I bought a queen off of you, or I bought some hives off of you, or they saw us on the blog, and you know I I asked one lady. I said. Uh, so you must have recognized me by my face from my blog, huh? She said, no, I recognized your shirt. It says <laughs> Long Lane Honeybee Farms. <laughs> but it was fun meeting people, and I saw some people, you know, that I hadn't seen for a while. These things are great to go to. Now we've got one coming up, and it's called the um, Eastern Apicultural Society. Big conference of 500 people, and our listeners really should be there. Sherry and I are going. Our kids are going. We're going to hang out the whole week in Boone, North Carolina. It's still time for you to sign up. You could probably just go online and do it. But if you Google it, Google Eastern Apicultural Society, and uh, you know you'll you, we'd love for you to come. We'd like to see you there, and just workshop after workshop. It's actually kind of divided up in the first part of the week. In the second part of the week, a lot of people come Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Thursday and Friday, and a lot of people come Monday, Tuesday. So you can pick the times. You don't have to stay there all week, but we're going for the week. Yeah, but also something that you've been doing for the past year to prepare for that is to continue pursuance of your Master Beekeepers certificate. Mm-hmm. And that certificate, I understand, is is suitable for framing. It is. <laughs> it is suitable for framing. That really drew me to it. I thought, man, if I get a certificate that's suitable for framing, who wouldn't want to try to get to that yeah. suitable, f- frameable frame? Yeah. And I understand that there's a pin of some sort, not not a writing pin, but the kind that you put on your shirt. A lapel pin. A, a lapel pin. And even though David doesn't wear lapels anymore... He used to, but he doesn't, you know, he has no more of those blue surge (laughs) polyester suits that have the lapels on them. He wears mainly work t-shirts. He assures me that he will put his pin on his work t-shirt every day if he so gets it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Man, you'd wear that everywhere. (laughs) I mean, it is a feather in your hat to get this. It is a tough program to win yeah we're making hey, listen is that rain it's rain wow mm-hmm. well we make we make fun of the 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 frame and the or not the frame but the certificate and the pin but the fact is this is a really 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 tough examination and there's four parts to the examination that includes includes field work and lab work and is there an oral test mm-hmm. to it and then a and then a written test and david's studied these books that are you know, four feet thick <laughs> for you know, the past two years, you know, in order to be able to to uh, get this. And it's done in sections, and he finished two sections last year of it, and so now he still has two more to finish. And But you, you really flew through the, the field work, didn't you? Uh-huh. you? You got an extremely high score on the field uh-huh. work, so out, so out in the... Sat in the hives and and being able to tell everybody what everything was in in mm-hmm. those and but um, 
Yeah, you know, like in the lab, for example, they they may have a frame there. Well, they have frames, real frames with real disease in it. With certificates in the frames? No, no, these are these are like found foundation <laughs> beehive frames. But you know, they'll have American fowl brood, a frame of American fowl brood, or just different things. And and uh, I wasn't there one year, but I I know one year they had a frame there that was perfectly good. And they it was a kind of a trick question. It said, examine the frame and tell what's wrong with it. And there was nothing wrong with it. So you would have to say, there, I don't see anything that's wrong with it, you know. So when they ask you, tell what's wrong with it, you kind of want to really think that they see something. You know? Make something up. Make something yeah, up. I, mean, you, I don't know. But I guess that's the way tests are. You know, you got to be good and on your toes. But I'm looking forward to that. And uh, it usually takes about three years on average, I think, for someone to complete that to get that suitable certificate for framing <laughs> in the lapel pin. <laughs> okay, so we got that. We're going to that the first week in August, so we're, we won't be here to take phone calls, Sherry. Mm-mm. That's right, folks. So you'll have to call after we come back, which will be the store will be open again August the 9th. But uh, is that all that happened in June and July? Oh, no, but I ran out of paper. <laughs> well, you, you know what, what my big project in June was? Was potty training. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we got we got the middle son with his driver's license, and we got the youngest son potty trained. So that was a lot of that was a lot of milestones for this summer. It was, and the potty training is just horrific, isn't it? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Don't even go there, since you did yeah. not help. <laughs> oh, I helped with some of the other ones, though, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. Christian is just a. Oh, he's he is a strong-willed child, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is right now. It's ten thirty at night, and he's still wide awake in his bed, just talking. Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, that's some of the things that go on in June and July. But it's been a hot, hot, hot month. Oh my goodness, I have just been melting out there, Sherry, in the beehives, and you've been melting in here in the kitchen. All your you've been canning and cooking and putting things up and. It's you know it's funny because in the in the winters when you need to be cooking and using all that excess heat to warm up the house and unfortunately uh, that happens in the summertime. Whew! All that heat that from boiling corn and beans and all that and to freeze them you make all this heat to freeze something you know it's like I don't understand it but we like eating our own food and that we grow you know what's going on we've done a you did a good job this year with the garden, too. Wow, it's really raining, it's isn't it? Really ra- it's really raining. Bad. They can probably hear it. You got some emails that you're going to read to us? Or are you gonna- yeah, I can read some emails. But before I do, I want to talk to you, though. You've you've been really kind of starting up some blogs and stuff. You got one blog or several now? Um, well, I have one uh, called um, Supposedly Sherry. It's at... It's at let's see. It's at sherryburns.blogspot.com, and um, you know that's just daily reflections on things that you know are going on. You know what's going on in my garden, what's going on with the chickens. What's do you ever talk about me? Yeah, I do. What's going on with the bees? What's going on with my favorite beekeeper? And then there's another one that I'm starting for the chickens exclusively, and that is. how to eat a chicken. dot wordpress. dot com. 
right? Is that the dot wordpress dot com? So that'd be you know how to. That's gonna be a lot of recipes and things on chickens. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, that'd be good, and and um, check out Sherry's blog. Some, and you can see what she says about beekeeping and chickens and other stuff too. That'd be fun as well. Yeah, I do have some email because we always get emails from people, and I grab some. Let's see where we're going here. David, I love your blog. I have been a fan of beekeeping for nearly two years, but have not kept bees yet. We just moved to Missouri to start up a small-scale organic farm. Cool. And the time to start with the bees is here. What is the best time of year, or is there a best time of year to get started with bees? We want to have bees on the farm to pollinate our crops for our own honey and to sell a bit of honey, too. I was thinking of starting with two hives. We only we will only be farming about one acre to begin with. And then he asked about is it okay to buy old equipment from Craigslist? Well, that's nice. I mm-hmm. like organic farms. And, yeah, two hires would be good for one acre. And, um, you know, the only time that you can start up with hives, of course, is the spring. You know, you could find somebody who's willing to sell you some bees in late summer, but, you know, it's you know it's really not a good time for it. Or catch a swarm in late summer or something like that. But uh-huh. um, you never want to ask people like us who build beekeeping equipment if you can use old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. What do you think we're going to say, you know? But, but yes, you can. You know, we, we never encourage you to use, to reuse frames and foundation if you don't know what the last people, you know, if they had a problem or something like that. You, you know, diseases or something. You don't know what you know what you might be buying off of them when you do that. But certainly boxes are just boxes, you know, and you can certainly reuse those. But uh, you really want to take a good look at them and make sure everything's in, you know, is sound and, and that sort of thing. But uh, certainly you can do that. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, of course, you know, the uh, American fowl brood is what we're most scared of because it can lay dormant. The spores can lay in that either the box or the frames for 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80 years. Really? Really, it can. Oh, my goodness. You can't really burn it, score. I mean, you can burn it and destroy it in a hot fire, but just by torching it a little bit. The spores don't, like, twirl up in the smoke and land somewhere else eventually? No. If you get it really hot, yeah, you're supposed to dig a hole and burn all your equipment and bury it, and so it kind of biodegrades. But, yeah... Got to be careful. And that's including the box. Mm -hmm. That's not just the frames and foundation. Does that mean you burn all the bees Mm. with it? Well, you know, not all states require when you get American fowl brood for you to destroy everything like that. But here in Illinois, in most states, and it is probably better because it's very contagious. But what you're supposed to do, Sherry, is once you have a positive diagnosis of American fowl brood, is to spray starter fluid or ether into the hive shut it off and spray it that instantly kills all the bees and then don't burn it right away or you'll have like a crater in your yard <laughs> where all that ether exploded but you know let it air out and then you can burn it and it burns really fast it's very hot you know wax and all it's sad but you are destroying a very very dangerous disease 
Yeah, that's the saddest slaughtering the chickens on the killing tree, isn't it? Uh, a little sadder for me. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know about buying bee boxes from somebody I don't know. I would not do it, but you know, I know if you're crunching pennies, maybe it'd be okay for you. But I, like Sherry said, don't dare use those frames. You know, use use good new frame. Um, what was it? Oh, timing. Yeah, he's going to have to wait until. Uh, well, he can buy his equipment if he wants to buy new equipment from us any time now. We get busy around Christmas on through uh, next summer. So, um, yeah, you can buy your equipment any time. And then order your bees in November. We sold out in March last year, so you want to do that before March. And the bees ship out the end of April or early May. So he's got a scripture down here, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Must be a Christian. That's cool. We are a Christian family too. Well, thank you. His name was Keith in Missouri. Had a a fellow take our class last Saturday from Missouri, or two Saturdays ago from Missouri. Mm -hmm. Kurt? No. No? Chris? Oh, Chris, that's right. Mm -hmm. And this one's from Mike? Mike. Hey, thanks for your lessons. They help me greatly. I often go back in and look at the lessons if I need info on something, which brings me to a question I have on catching swarms this late. I have a chance to obtain some bees from a swarm, and I don't want to start a new hive this late. Plus, not having the extra equipment is a problem. What I was wondering was, can I add these bees to an existing hive, or would that not be a wise thing to do. The swarm is about four pounds and coming from a demolished house. Just wondering your thoughts on this, and I can't really find info on adding a swarm to an existing hive. Thanks for your time and all you do for beekeeping, Mike. Well, Mike, I would not take that four pounds of bees and just throw it in your hive. That's not going to work. <laughs> oh, you, I would do that. No. You wouldn't do it? No. Oh, I don't think so. I think I'd do what the old timers do and put that put that newspaper down and then toss those on top of that newspaper. And then by the time they finally chew through that newspaper, then they've gotten used to each other and, yeah. and do it do it that way. But what's Mike going to do if he's got that queen in there? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you're wanting to play it precautionary, (laughs) precautionary, Sherry, because I wouldn't. I I would just dump them in there and say, fight it out among ya. (laughs) And you're right. As we get further into the season, they may not be, you know, on a heavy nectar flow, bees don't fight as much. But if there's a dearth and you throw four pounds on there with a queen and your queen is in there, you might have another swarm. (laughs) That swarm may up and leave. So, yeah, let's go with Sherry's newspaper idea. Um, the two queens are going to duke it out, and may the best one win. Yeah, four pounds is a lot to put on that, but yeah. that's about the only thing you can do. You can't, you just cannot get a swarm this time of year and be able to put it in a hive mm-hmm. and expect it to do anything. But it seems like we've had a lot of phone calls this week for from people who their hives have either swarmed or people who are calling us saying. Help, I've got a new swarm in the side of my mm-hmm. house and it needs to be removed. I, I've had a number of calls mm-hmm. about that this week. Is this swarm season? Mm-hmm. No, you say? Mm-hmm. Then what's going on? Well, uh, there's such a honey flow. Honey honey is incredible this year, and I think they're getting honey bound and getting congested and just bailing out and trying to multiply out. You know, speaking about that, Sherry, I, I wanted to let you know about uh, this. You know, i got a swarm 
Well, a lady called me today and asked if we sold pa- any packages for sale. I'm like, wow, you know, this person is out of the loop mm-hmm. of uh, how beekeeping things work, which is fine. But, And I said, oh, you know, it's too late for that. We sold out in March. And she said, well, like, I had a swarm in my backyard in a, in a, what was it on, asparagus or or okra or something, you know, in her garden. So she called a major bee company. She didn't know about our great quality products. Apparently. <laughs> and she called and they, she said, I've got a swarm in my backyard. Can I buy a hive off of you? And they said, sure. And she bought some pheromone to put in there so she could set the hive next to the swarm. They'd smell the pheromone and go in. Hmm. I was a little disappointed. Um, I don't think we would have done that, would we? No, in fact, I could have sold a number of hives this week to people who wanted to do the very same thing. People that came out here on Saturday, you know, saying, oh, I've got a swarm, I need a hive. And we we just won't do it. We we tell them the truth. It's not going to work. It's not going to work this time of year. You know, the best thing you can do is, if you want to pick up that swarm, is just to take it and add it to something you already have. But what do people do, David, who, who don't have an, an established hive anywhere, and they just go outside and they go, oh, that's a nice, pretty cluster of honeybees. I'd like to keep it. What do you suggest to those people this time of year? Well, well, the bad thing, what I was saying about the company who sold or something, you know, when you see a swarm that's hanging from a tree... They are planning on leaving really soon. Oh, yeah. So the company should have known that in five or two weeks when the hive arrives, the swarm's not going to be there. I mean, they should have told the lady that. Maybe they did, hopefully. But she bought it. And her. And in fact, it doesn't even arrive until Friday. You know, and so she the, she called me today and said the thing left. She yeah. said, can I go find it? Where Where is it? Is it in the woods? Is it in trees? I'm like, well, it could be... 10 miles away, you know, in a diameter around your house, you're talking hundreds of acres. Well, I'm confused. Why did she call us for? I don't I don't get what you're saying. To Where buy the package. She wants to buy a package now. She's got a hive coming Friday, but no bees to put in it. Oh. Oh, okay. But no, to answer your question, if you really want to keep them, yeah, that's all you can do. Hey, I told her this. I said, look, sometimes I've told people, go out there and shake those bees off of that tree and put them in anything. A big, you know, Tupperware basket you know those big rubbermaid tubs and put a lid on it or a cardboard box we've had people you know and that way they'll sit in there and wait you know until we get you the hive but um you might be able to pull it off you'd have to feed them heavily all fall but if like sherry tells people sherry always says hey just wait they'll go away (laughs) well i'm the one that answers the phone and, and i have day in and day out especially you know, some some older women, it seems like, but some younger women, too, maybe who've got little kids, and they'll call and say, they've, you know, they've landed right there in my bush. Can you come and get them? And, and we'll be like, you know, by the time we left, they'd be gone. Mm-hmm. You, you just need to wait. Unless it comes up a rain or something, and then a lot of times they'll huddle there on that branch mm-hmm. or where they're. But if you see them on a, on a twig, on a branch, on a bush, on your garden, they are going to go away within... Usually within a matter of minutes, if not hours. But like I said, unless it's pouring down rain or something, they they're going to be gone before we can even walk out the door to your house. But if you got them inside a, a structure, that's something entirely different. So here's Tony from wa- the state of Washington, Washington State University. In fact, um, he says, "I'm curious as to if 
it is possible to winter a hive only using candy boards, meaning no honey available. That's a good question, but but what do you do about pollen and bee bread and all that other Mm -hmm. good stuff that they need? Yeah, you know, I've done it before, obviously. Um, But Sherry's right. They do need nutrition. They don't need just carbohydrates, which is what the sugar is. They need... um, Protein. Protein. They need all the all the important yeah. minerals and vitamins that they get. So if you're going to try it, Tony, I would definitely also include a pollen patty and you know balance that out with sugar and pollen patties. And yeah, I think you could do it, barring that they don't have nosema, that they don't have tracheomite, that they don't have varroa mite, that they don't have all these other critters and diseases, I mean, that could weaken them. And no matter what you feed them, they could still die of another pathogen. But if they're healthy bees, uh, I think they'll eat that candy board. Now, those candy boards that go fast, I noticed out here they go about uh, one big candy board lasts three weeks on a pretty strong colony. Oh, and I would say probably where he lives, it's a, it's a lot nicer, a lot warmer. Hmm. Than, than here too though so mm, true, so I don't know maybe they'll go even faster there mm-hmm. I don't I don't know but he might as well try it mm-hmm. if for for whatever reason he has no honey either he's taken it all or they, they didn't honey. make any mm-hmm. he might as well try it he's sure. got nothing to lose oh yeah I mean don't let him starve out and try anything boy candy board is a big thing and I mean you remember last winter mm. was it winter yeah all winter and spring I, we just made candy boards. We would work all day and then make candy boards all night. We kept the place heated by the propane coming out of those burners (laughs) on that cooking appliance instead of turning on the furnace. We did not need to. All the windows were all steamed up. All night long we would make, wow, we would make candy boards. People really really like them. You know, and I, I would stack them here in the kitchen, you know, and... They'd even stay warm. I mean, it'd be like a big, warm block of candy boards, you know. That was fun. All right, here's another email, Sherry. <laughs> don't remember that at the Don't time. remember the fun part? I do not remember that. Hey, this guy is from Australia, down under, don't you know? Good. <laughs> it's, it says QLD. I'm sorry, I'm not. There's my history and all my geography stuff. QLD, Australia. Like... Queen Lady. <laughs> What's QLD Australia mean? Well, you have to help us out there, Caleb. I, I don't know. Oh, anyway, he says, Hi, David, Sherry, and family. I'm disappointed Aww. to have missed Thursday's 22nd, 22nd podcast. Oh. <laughs> you know what he's talking about? The uh, podcast that I do with the Wildlife Pro Network now. I'm hosting every month that podcast on their network. Okay. And so I, I sent out a little announcement that I'd be on there. He missed it. I will eagerly await for it to be posted on your website. And, yes, there are people interested in listening to your radio broadcast. It sure beats watching TV. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Thank you. That was a nice compliment, Caleb. I find myself amazed at how much you have shared your uh, shared of yourself and your passion for bees on your website. Your generosity and sharing so much experience is sometimes difficult to fathom. I only wish I could express truly how appreciative I am. 
I live on the Sunshine Coast, QLD, Australia. <laughs> he knows what that means and where at least I am uh, you not like knowledgeable go, enough to know. I would like to go to Australia, Caleb, to find out what where that is. Yeah, I've thought That'd about going nice. to Australia. And have yet to start beekeeping. As an organic grower, I rely on bees to pollinate my fruit and vegetable gardens, fruit and nut orchard. However, the lack of bees in our area is of great concern. It's hard to imagine that with our beautiful climate and abundance of native he must mean bush land. Oh, native bushland and rolling hills that this could be an issue. This is where I live, and he gives a little... Oh, he's got a blog spot. I better not share it without his permission, but hmm. we'll have to look him up. Mm-hmm. And er, An elderly beekeeper said to me today, most beekeepers in the area have closed up business and are keeping bees for themselves. Hive loss due to pests and diseases are a major problem. Hmm. Well, I'm about to embark on purchasing my first hive, so perhaps one day soon I can share the knowledge and experience that I have acquired in the same way that you have shown. God bless, Caleb. Okay. Well, there you go. That's neat, isn't it? That's too bad about Australia. We get a lot of our pack. We don't personally, but and I'm a little bit concerned, but we get America gets a lot of packages from Australia. And if they have pests and diseases, oh no. Who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? That's true. That is true, Sherry. Well, that's all. I had a lot more emails, but that kind of whets the appetite. Hey, can I get back to the, some stats on the queens? It's fun. Stats on the queen. This is fun. Um, let's see. You know, um, we've talked about at times, you know, why do they supersede queens and why doesn't a queen kill, supersede your cells or swarm cells? But it's more and more research finds that the queen's pheromones, if they start falling below a certain threshold, then she actually lays eggs in queen cells. Because she knows the pheromones are low enough where either she's not going to be able to to pull it off anymore, and so. Um, what what is a queen cell? You know that the, the hive makes a queen cell. Like if a hive's getting ready to swarm, they have to make queen cells. Okay, so she hasn't laid in those yet. They they just say, okay, we're going to build a bunch of these and hope she comes by and she puts an egg in them. I doubt it. I, I'm pretty sure they. Pull those out after they have an egg in them, don't they? I was thinking for some reason she laid the egg and then and then they turned the egg into what they wanted to turn it into. Yeah, that's true. Although you do see queen cells in a hive that don't have eggs in them, but you see them building them empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're there. So and wow. then I have seen, I have noted that there are queen cells, you know, halfway drawn out with that are empty. And then you go back in a few days and there'll be an egg in it. So they do lay in queen cells. Wow. Or beekeepers sometimes claim the bees move the eggs. Although technically that's never been documented in any kind of scientific way. So I don't know if a, I, don't, I really don't know if a bee could actually with its mandibles work that delicately. An egg is very 
um, fragile, it's sticky. I, maybe they could. I don't know. Transfer of eggs. Transition. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. Um, queens are sexually mature five days of age. And let's see. They become drone layers if they cannot mate for 20 days. They lose the urge to mate. So in 20 days, what could happen? I don't understand. She she just doesn't go out and mate, so she just... Why not? She loses the urge. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, you know, time goes by. Nature just doesn't... She's lost it. And that could happen, you know, if the, if the weather was foul, if it rained, or if... Uh, Conditions were such where every time she needed to go out and mate, she couldn't fly, and before long, uh, three weeks have gone by. Well, that's the, I think that was the answer I was looking for. <laughs> oh, okay, rather than a personality clash. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't do it. I can't bring myself to it. I want a life of celibacy. I have a headache. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> Yeah, so she'll be a drone layer, you know. She won't lay fertilized eggs. They'll probably kill her, supersede her or whatever. Hey, here's interesting things now that we're talking about the queen mating flight. They don't mate inside that box, like I said. Um, after their, I don't know, I think it says one to two weeks, but that sounds long. But somewhere between the first and second week, she goes on her mating flights. And she almost always goes out in the afternoon. And she circles her hive to orientate where to come back to. She flies 15 feet or less, several feet away, to get away from her hive, and then flies higher as she gets further away. Does that, does that mean she takes a bunch of people with her? They do try to follow her, but she tries to outrun her own drones and her own folks, and so they don't think she's swarming or something. She'll fly a mile or a mile and a half away to a drone congregation area. And I've talked about those before. Then she flies up to an altitude of 20 to 100 feet. And uh, she'll mate at that altitude. And, you know, the drones kind of fly with her and attach to her. Um, Now this next part might be rated R. But she mates with drones... 20 to 25 drones and each drone each mating session lasts 2 to 5 seconds and then the drone dies and her entire mating flight from when she leaves the hive until when she comes back is 13 minutes <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's amazing what's amazing to me is that there's someone somewhere that's gotten paid obviously to find all this out. Probably in a stimulus package. Yeah, stimulus bill. We're going to spend $4 billion to study the mating habits of a queen. Yeah, I, I, tried to, I tried to do it one day and sit there. I never... I can't sit there and watch her leave. It's like, you know, there's bees leaving and coming. I can't tell which one's the queen flying out. I wonder you were busy in the month of June. Yeah. Now we figured out why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. are watching the queens. That's right. 40% uh, made on their first flight. How many? 40%. What do you mean the first flight? Didn't she only take one flight? No, she'll take two or three that week. 
Well, I didn't know that. I yeah. thought it was just the one time, and that was it. And that was the only time she ever came out. No, sometimes, but that was this mating time. You know, that week yeah. she won't fly anymore after that. But she, once she, some we don't know how, but she finally knows that she has mated well. Her reservoir is filled up. I don't know if that's what it is or not, but somehow she she knows, and so she's done. You know, but she starts laying two days after she has mated on our mating flight. Yeah. Yeah. Drones are sexually mature after they are 10 to 12 days old. Okay. Okay. Alrighty. See if this puzzles you, Sherry. The average drone produces about 8 million spermazoa. The queen takes 10 to 15 million in her mating flights, but she only stores 5 to 7 million. Okay. <laughs> what happened to the other difference there? I don't know. I had to find out the answer. <laughs> Nobody cares. This is a people. There are some people out there that care about these things. All right, maybe they don't. Uh, let's see. That's not interesting. That's not interesting. <laughs> um, drones. You know what time drones fly out to mate? Um, let's see, you said sh- that she goes out in the middle of the afternoon, so mm-hmm. I figured they'd go out in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> That's true, Jerry. Uh, it wasn't a trick question, <laughs> but I already gave you the answer. Between 11 o'clock and 4.30. <laughs> Got to be back at 4.30. Well, you know what? When when um, when um my dad gets up and he goes out, he, he goes out about 11 o'clock and he moseys on down to the barber shop. And him and a bunch of guys sit down there at the barber shop and they do checkers and... They're down there till about 4 o'clock until they finally go on back home. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't compare your dad's checkered playing day to drones mating days. I'm just saying I think it's a guy thing to to, to mosey on out the door around oh, 11 and come yeah. back when it's supper time. Yeah, that's <laughs> hey, you know, some people think the drones they see in their hive are their drones. I don't know why people think that. Drones are welcome in any hive. They don't fly back to the same hive. Oh, I didn't know that. No, why would I they? Why not? Because they they go to these drone congregation areas, and there's they may go to different ones, miles or half mile or a mile. They may they may get too far away to make it back to their hive. They that's why mites are so bad. They get on these drones, and the drones they're welcome in any hive. You can come in here. Hey, here comes a drone. Come on in, buddy. Come on in. We'll feed you. They don't even feed themselves. Okay. Well, if that's true, then the whole idea of the fact that the queen needs to fly as fast as she can away from her own drones mm-hmm. doesn't quite hold water. It kind of does because if you stop and think about it, she is raising drones in her hive. So there are some that are in there that are, you know, maybe they they are starting to fly. Um, I don't mean they just leave and they're forever gone. There are some that hang out there that are hers. But on the most part, drones are... I've noticed in my yard that drones will go to the hive with the most honey. <laughs> you know, Just like a man. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's true. All right. Anything else that is interesting? No, that's a bunch of genetic stuff that's complicated. Uh, that's more complicated. That's no good. <laughs> that's, that's stuff for... Master beekeeper test. That nobody cares about. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, th- Sherry, this is fun doing podcasts. I really like this. We should do these more. Well, I'd say August, September, October, November, we probably can. But then once we hit Christmas, 
it starts getting crazy around here. I know there's other companies. We've got friends and other bee companies, and they don't really get going until about February. But for some reason, we hit Christmas, and we're off like a shot. So maybe for the next few months, we can do some podcasts. And then it, and then it starts getting lean times again for that. Well, let's do some while we're in uh, the Eastern Ap- Apicultural Society down in uh, Boone. We could maybe do some interviews. Yeah, yeah, and I think people would like to know maybe what you're learning. You know, you can kind of mm-hmm. do a little synopsis of your classes for that day, and that would be almost as good as being there. Yeah, but I want them to come so I can hang out with them. Well, it's kind of late notice right now. It's only, it's it's only weeks. A, it's only a few days from now. I mean, days. <laughs> Yeah, weeks. What are you talking about? It starts Sunday, doesn't it? Yeah, but I, you know, when I went or to the Monday. when I went to the one, yeah, Monday, August the first or second. When I went to one in Tennessee, I just kind of woke up at that last minute and said, "Hey, Sherry, I think I'll go to that." And you said, "Yeah, you ought to." And it was like the next day I left or something. Right. Well, you run a honeybee farm. Other folks have got real jobs. <laughs> 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 I didn't mean it like that. I mean, oh they have my jobs goodness! And offices and stores and buildings. I have a job under the blazing hot yeah. sun. I got thirty queens in the last two days. Yeah. You know, during the um, the time we're in North Carolina, we're going to be celebrating something special. Oh yeah, our anniversary. Yeah. Do you know how many years it's been? Uh, I was saying even thirty. It is thirty. Mm-hmm. But we started dating four years before that, so. Thirty-four. Thirty-four years that we've known each other. Hmm. Well, I would do it again, Sherry, with the same you. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm not the same you as I was back then. No, we've changed that oh, way yeah. for the better. Yeah. We're like old wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's the longer the longer we sit, the better we get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting more too as yeah, I get older. Yeah, my just sit more. my no, dad. We we you sit. Far less now That's than true. you used to. That's true. My dad always had a little phrase. He said, uh, you know, why run when you can walk? And then he'd say, why walk when you can sit? And then, he, then he'd say, why sit when, when you can, you lay, can down? lay down? <laughs> yeah, it was funny, wasn't it? Hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, that's good. We'll, uh, hey, we really like the, that our people are, that we have like, I think, up to nine listeners now across the world, you know. It's fun to know that. People are uh, watching or listening to this instead of uh, watching television. Probably better for your health and better for your sanity. And people tell us that they listen to it as they're going to sleep at night. And I think it must be so boring it puts them to sleep. I don't know. People tell us they listen to us in their car when they're taking long trips or or folks who are taking breaks you know, from work for a few minutes or on their lunch hour. They're listening to it and... So they're enjoying it. Well, I think what it is, they're probably saying, "Who are these people, David and Sherry Burns? Who are they really? They're we're wait. They're waiting for us to give the clue who we really are." <laughs> Some people show up here and they feel like they know us, and I think they do better than we know ourselves. They do, and they're, they're so excited to finally meet us, and and then I think they just realize, well, they're just regular folks, but they're but they're fun folks, you know, and. And, uh, you know, lately we've had some classes here, and the people that have come out here for the classes are just the funnest people. Oh, it's been they're, great. They're so it nice to, to come out here, but I think that does help them. I think they do know us a little bit before they come out here, so that really helps them. Wow, that's good. Well, we do want to meet you and 
talk to you and get to know you, and some of you drive great distances to come to classes, to meet us, and hang out with us. We appreciate that. We really do um, appreciate you getting to know us, and sorry that we can't always get to know you as well as you get to know us, but um, we're on this end of the podcast, and there's only two of us, and there's a lot of you out there, so we would like to get to know you better. And um, if you enjoy these podcasts, we hope you'll share them with your friends and and let your friends get involved in hearing what goes on in David and Sherry's life. Hey, I was thinking about this, Sherry. You know, here's just the reality and a truth. And I'm not really, this is neither good or bad or otherwise, but there. let's face it, there are big B companies out there. You know, and I there's, should I name them? I mean, a few of them. You know, they're just big. And they're well-known. You can Google them. They pay the big bucks. They appear on the first three slots at Google. And, you know, people go there and buy their stuff. And, and, you know, while we uh, would love to have your business. But I was thinking about this. You know, when I go to these big conferences, and I I never vend at these conferences. I probably will or should one day. But, you know, I don't know. I I enjoy the conferences. I don't want to be stuck behind a table selling woodenware. But when I go to these big conferences, when I when I go to these vending places and I see these big companies and I know most of these people in the big companies, so I'm not putting them down. But they're big companies, you know. They're they're big names. They've been in, they've been around for 150, 200 years, and then we're David and Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of think that, at least from my standpoint, if it was me on the other end of things. It would be a little refreshing, you know, it to, to have David and Sherry versus big companies. You see, am I making any sense? I yeah. like I like yeah. personal. I like people that are, you know, they're small family businesses trying to make ends meet, working hard. I want to get to know them. And I, big companies, while they they serve a purpose, I get lost in them. Right, and, and and one other difference is the fact that we don't want to become a big company, and we have no plans on doing that. Even though sometimes right now it is hard to answer the phones because they do, you know, ring nonstop. So we might have to hire somebody in the future, but we have no plans on on getting so big that you can't hunt us down and find out who we are, or, or I can't yell for David down the lane, you know, to come answer a question on the phone. Yesterday I was real far down the lane, and you were like, David. <laughs> wow, when you got your head stuck in a hive, it's, I don't like to yell it's back. But right, you, and it's different because, you know, when people call here, I, I, I say honestly, well, David's got his head stuck in a hive, and, and so he can't come to the phone. And I think that makes a big difference than, you know, calling one of these huge companies and, and bless their hearts, you know, getting a young girl on the phone that has no idea and then trying to hunt down the only guy in the company that has a couple of hives and, you know, he's too busy to answer the phone and you have to stay on hold for 15 minutes or whatever. I think it makes a big difference to have an actual beekeeper put the lid back on a hive and walk over and pick up the phone and talk to you. Don't you think? I think so, sure. Yeah, yesterday when you and then you got in the car and drove down to me and you don't do that very often, but you were like, A university needs fifteen queens in two hours and I was like, Okay. So uh some of those things just happen like that. Boy that but anyway, yeah, no, I I hope that people understand it's me and you and our family helps us in our bee business. Um 
And we do appreciate our customers. You are special to us. Your business is our bread and butter. There's no way to hide that. The less you buy, the less butter we have. <laughs> less bread we have. Until <laughs> I get my cow, that's next. Yeah, you got a lamb today, didn't you? A goat. <laughs> I always get those mixed up. Do they look alike, a lamb and a goat? Um, there are some goats that look just like lambs, believe it or not. I went through a website today, mm. and there's some that look, uh, from a distance, you'd never know. There's some lambs that look like dogs from a distance, too. But f- the, mm. the, um, the meat's similar. The taste will be similar. Is what I understand. So. Oh, good. Well, that's going to be interesting. A goat. Well, I think next year we're going to just have our own goat, aren't we? Goats. Yeah, yeah this was raised by a, a woman who does. A beekeeper. Yeah, a beekeeper who who raises animals, and she she raised it on her farm for us, and and then it was time for those slaughterhouse. <laughs> do they call it? Do you slaughter a goat? Do you slaughter a? Do you or do you butcher a goat? I think that's how we started this broad yeah. podcast. Podcast. Yeah. And then we slaughtered it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now we've now we're transitioning <laughs> to the to the end, aren't we? <laughs> the the, gro- the goat was transitioned. Yeah. At the meat locker. No, actually, we started with this uh, the music. We can end with uh, Cindy's music again, can't we? I think so. All right. So we want to say bye to everybody, and before Cindy comes and sings her song. <laughs> <laughs> steps into the kitchen here. Um, we want to say thanks for listening today. We do want to uh, thank you all for tuning in. And keep in mind that... Let me let me put this music on hold or it's going to start. Oops. Keep in mind that you can contact us several ways. Email is david at honeybeesonline.com. I'm going to be on vacation that first week in August at the convention. EAS down in Boone, North Carolina, so I won't be able to get to your email probably, or the phones either, but when we are back at the phone, you can call us at 217-427-2678, and Sherry and I always kind of have a little bit of a difference on this, but uh, I don't have any problem asking for a donation on our blogs for our free bee lessons um, it's kind of a. I got the idea from something you read, Sherry, where some websites have a chip, uh, a, a tip jar, where you can throw a tip in there. You know. So we. I thought, well, if people want to make a donation, that really is appreciative. I'll uh, maybe I should give it to you and let you buy something special with uh, tip money. A killer dress. Yeah, a killer dress. A killer dress for our 30th anniversary. Yeah, wow. that's true. So there is a place on our blog and where you can donate. I think if you go to Studio B Live, doc, Studio B Live on our website, you can actually make a little tip. But if that's something you can do, we appreciate it. If it isn't, well, we understand and don't worry about it. They are they are free, so enjoy all the lessons and the podcast as well. But our website is honeybeesonline.com, and our lessons are found at basicbeekeeping.blogspot.com. Any other information I need to give them, Sherry? Alrighty. Any final words you want to say to folks? Just have a happy summer. All right. See you later. Here's Cindy and Cindy Creswell and Paul Doolittle. Over to the honeybee, child. So you know we're when the flowers are calling, we'll be 
Everybody, let's hear from Australia. <laughs> from down under. Everybody from Tennessee, volunteer in. Volunteer and sing along. Come on, Tony in Washington, let's sing. coming in at 4.30. (laughs) Maybe they're going out at 11. You know, if they mate with the queen, they don't come back. They die. See ya. (laughs) 